0: Really loud. Yeah, great to be back in a but new rhythm, isn't it? Double. In the new space. I feel like I'm really loud. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe not. The, the song before of bridge, I shouldn't call coming out. Coming out, shouldn't call out but oh my now. God, did you turn me up or so something? Probably this morning we it. are going to continue, around, as, it as it heard earlier, well, looking like, at the Book of Ruth. What happened? And Although, um, I, really I just want know. to kind of do a bit of a review about I'm such a beautiful picture that they have well, well, and you because it talks back. about how Ruth Turn, um, I'm still is given the opportunity to, um, um, to be able to provide <sighs> for her mother-in-law Naomi and they have nothing so the other by going behind all the of the uh, workers. And uh, Boaz's field and to pick up brains moners at least yeah. keep moders, them, um, Turn down when they yep. have no one, to take, have, uh, you, my my no one to take care of them they husbands anymore there's no one to take care of them we know that, loud, that, loud, that loud. even today women still in many loud, parts really of the world loud. they it's don't have a broader family to take care of them they are really in desperate situations so I just want to look at some of the questions one, two, um, three, that we had one, last week and just kind of recap one, two, three, the story in case you weren't with us one, last week. Two, three, one, uh, two. Naomi it's is Still an Israelite it. woman who, with her husband, went to the country Still of Moab booming. when Israel um, was in a time of oh, yeah. famine. Oh, and yeah. The odd thing about uh, Naomi and Huge. her husband going to, Israel, uh, to Moab, is that Moab, oh, man. <laughs> uh, they were enemies of the country of Israel. I'm there was fighting everybody here. Moab and, and Israel. So Hello? It, Hello? in some ways, there's Hello? like this little uh, hint of, of betrayal that Hello? you will Wait, reach out to your enemy to take care of you Hello? before Hello? you a little little reach bit? out to the God Hello? who's supposed to take care of you. That's how desperate I don't think situation you situation was wild, in Israel. And we reminded ourselves that the book, that this book of Ruth, takes place in the time of Judges, and the pattern in the time of Judges was the people would cry out for a king, and God said, no, I am your king, and they didn't like that answer. They wanted a human king like every other nation had, and so they would all do what was right in their own eyes, and they would go one, after two, other three, gods, and they would live as if God didn't exist. natural consequences would be that, that one, two, um, three, they would have famines. Would, there loud. was a bloody time in the history of Israel. They had Hello. many, many wars. One, two, three. It was a, a difficult time, and you all of a sudden they would cry out to God, God why have you forsaken God? us? And God reaches in and raises and up go, judges again and again That's and again one. to help lead yeah, the no. people. No. And so this is a like a micro story in the big story of will God still answer our pleas here. even if we have gone elsewhere? We got nothing for here. Help. There you go. Yeah. And that's what one of the questions yes, that no. Ruth addresses. Will will God still take care of them even though um, they are in a desperate desperate situation? So I I've listed some of the questions. Nothing. One of the things we have to remember when we're looking at a a story like this that so focuses on human characters, we always have to ask ourselves, where is God in this story? Because that's what the story is asking as well. Where is God when these people have chosen to go outside of what then they thought was God's purview, which was the land of Israel? Now they're in Moab. Will God take care of them there? Does God even care when we turn our back on him? Will he I keep think, no, his promises even when we haven't but kept really ours? Honest. And we talked about you last week that people, that's God. a pretty significant question people. to each of us these days, it's right? That's not just an now. Old Testament question. There are times when we say, you now. know what, God? I'm not, I'm not liking anymore. how my life is going right now. I think I'll figure out how to do this on my here own. Anymore. And so we can be uh, promise breakers as well. So this story is I significant to us even though we're... Uh, you know, thousands of years down the road. Then the other questions that we looked at in the next slide was, um, who are we without God? And I think when I was doing the study for this sermon, the thing that just jumped out at me is when you look at the picture of Naomi and Ruth, they're the picture of of what life without God could look like. Good morning everybody. Issue. We're going to for those who are involved they're and Sunday not sure morning setup it the next day. We're somehow they involved in the next in, hour um, and a half. We're going to have a huddle and really in front. vulnerable situation. Gather around Hilda. And I think sometimes when we run into uh, friends or family members who are struggling with faith, they're really struggling with is there hope without God in my life? And we often see in in our friends' lives and even in our own lives when we try to substitute other things for God, we still don't regain that hope. We don't regain that purpose. We don't have that place to belong. And so this question, again, isn't just about is there hope for these two women? Is there life without God? That's a question we can all ask. When we get to places in our lives where where we're struggling, we say, you know what, this life of faith is harder than I anticipated it would be. This, this walk with God sometimes has struggles. Can I be healthy, well, and hopeful without God? And that's what this story talks about as well. And finally, what I love about this is Ruth makes this promise that is a promising promise. Now, I know that sounds weird, but when Ruth says to Naomi, I'm going to follow you back to your country Your people are going to be my people. And she knows that the people that they're going to are the people of God. Your God is going to be my God. I'm going to leave all the Moabite gods behind and I'm going to follow your God. And the interesting thing about this is she's already seen that God has has, um, heard the cries of the people and the famine in the land is gone. There's an abundance. and We're going to see that as Ruth gets to go and, and glean from that abundance of grain that The people know that God will care for them. So when she makes a promise to Ruth, she knows there's a bit of a promise in there. Maybe your God will be my God. I'm willing to take a step in that direction. Now she's going to wonder, is God going to receive me? Someone who is a Moabite, not an Israelite. Someone who was an enemy of the Israelites. Will God want me? And so in this story, as you listen the question that we're looking at today in chapters two and three, who does this woman belong to? Is she a Moabite who belongs to other gods or will God receive her and will she find a place in the kingdom of God? So I'm going to be reading from the message today because it has a bit of a better flow for the story since it's a bit longer um, of a passage. We're going to look at chapters two and three. So I want you to just get into the story to just yeah, listen to the story and see where you find yourself in the story. How does this story help you understand what it means to belong to God, even if you were at one time far off? Starting at chapter 2. It so happened that Naomi had a relative by marriage, a man who was prominent and rich, and he was connected with the Limelech's family. That was Naomi's husband. His name was Boaz. One day, Ruth, who is a Moabite foreigner, says to Naomi, I'm going to go to work. I'm going to go out and glean among the sheaves, following after some harvester who will treat me kindly, because they had nothing to eat. And Naomi said, well, you go ahead, dear daughter. And here is Ruth making good on her promise to take care of Naomi, who has nothing, who is empty. And so she set out. She went and started gleaning in a field, following in the wake of the harvesters. And just a note here, God always, always is aware of those who are far off, those who are foreign, those who do not have anything. And so he always tells his people, make sure you have some um, leftover from your field to give to those who are poor. Make sure that you're aware that there are people who do not have anything and that they can, without shame, have some of the blessing that I've blessed you with. So keep that in mind. So she sets out, and eventually she ends up in the part of the field owned by Boaz. And this was a relative, her father-in-law, a Mil- Elimelech's relative. A little later, Boaz came out from Bethlehem, and he greets his harvesters. God be with you, and they replied, and God bless you. Boaz asked the young servant, who was the foreman over these farmlands, who is this young woman? Where did she come from? Or... Who does she belong to, as the NIV says? And the foreman says, why, that's that Moabite girl, the one who came with Naomi from the country of Moab. She asked permission. Let me glean, she said, and gather among the sheaves following after your harvesters. She's been at it steady ever since, from early morning until now, without so much as a break. Then Boaz speaks to Ruth. Listen, my daughter, from now on, Don't go to any other field to glean. Stay right here in this one and stay close to my young women. Watch where they are harvesting and follow them. And don't worry about a thing. I've given orders to my servants not to harass you. When you get thirsty, feel free to go and drink from the water buckets that my servants have filled. She dropped to her knees, then bowed her face to the ground. How does this happen that you should pick me out and treat me so kindly? Me, a foreigner. Boaz answered her, I've heard all about you, heard about the way you treated your mother-in-law after the death of her husband, and how you left your father and mother in the land of your birth and have come to live among a bunch of total strangers. God reward you well for what you've done, and with a generous bonus besides from God to whom you've come seeking protection under his wings, that promising promise. She says, oh, sir, such grace, such kindness. I don't deserve it. You've touched my heart. You've treated me like one of your own. And I don't even belong here. At the lunch break, Boaz said to her, Come over here, eat some bread, and dip it in the wine. So she joined the harvesters, and Boaz pasted the roasted grain to her. She ate her fill and even had some left over. And when she got up to go back to work, Boaz ordered his servants, Let her glean where there's still plenty of grain on the ground. Make it easy for her. Better yet, pull some of the good stuff out and leave it for her to glean. Give her special treatment. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. When she threshed out what she had gathered and ended up with nearly a full sack of barley, she gathered up her gleanings, went back to town, and showed her mother-in-law the result of her day's work. She also gave her mother-in-law the leftovers from her lunch. Naomi said to her, So where did you glean today? Whose field? God bless whoever it was who took such good care of you. Ruth told her mother-in-law, the man with whom I work today, his name is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, why, God bless that man. God hasn't quite walked out on us yet. He still loves us in bad times as well as good times. And Naomi went on, that man, Ruth, is one of our circle of covenant redeemers. He's a kinsman redeemer, a very close and important relative of ours. Ruth the Moabitess says, well, listen to this. He also told me, stick with my workers until my harvesting is finished. Naomi said to Ruth, that's wonderful, dear daughter. Do that. You'll be safe in the company of his young women. No danger now of you being harassed in some stranger's field. So Ruth did it. She stuck close to Boaz's young men and women, gleaning in the fields daily until both the barley and wheat harvesting were finished. And she continued living with her mother-in-law. Then one day, her mother-in-law, Naomi, said to Ruth, My dear daughter, isn't it about time I arranged a good home for you so you can have a happy life? And isn't Boaz our closest relative, the one whose young women you've been working with? Maybe it's time for us to make our move. Tonight is the night of Boaz's barley harvest at the threshing floor. Take a bath, put on some perfume, get all dressed up and go to the threshing floor. But don't let him know you're there until the party is well underway and he's had plenty of food and drink. When you see him slipping off to sleep, watch where he lies and then go there. Lie at his feet to let him know that you are available to him for marriage. Then wait and see what he says. He'll tell you what to do. So Ruth says to Naomi, if you say so, I'll do it, just as you have told me. She went down to the threshing floor and put her mother-in-law's plan into action. Boaz had a great time eating and drinking his fill. He felt awesome. Then he went off to get some sleep, lying down at the end of a stack of barley, and Ruth quietly followed. She laid down at his feet to signal her availability for marriage. In the middle of the night, Boaz was suddenly startled and sat up and surprised. There was a woman at his feet. And he said to her, who are you? She said, I am Ruth, your maiden. Take me under your protecting wing. You're my close relative, you know, in the circle of covenant redeemers. You do have the right to marry me. And he said, oh, God bless you, my dear daughter. What a splendid expression of love. And when you could have had your pick of any of the young men around. And now, my dear daughter, don't you worry about a thing. I'll do all you ask. Everybody in town knows what a courageous woman you are. You're a real prize. You're right. I am a close relative to you, but there's one even closer than I. So stay the rest of the night, and in the morning, if he wants to exercise his rights and responsibilities as your closest covenant redeemer, he'll have his chance. But if he isn't interested, as God lives, I'll do it. Another promise. Now go back to sleep until morning. So Ruth slept at his feet until dawn, but she got up while it was still dark and couldn't be recognized. Then Boaz said to himself, no one must know that Ruth came to the threshing floor. So Boaz said, bring the shawl you're wearing and spread it out. She spread it out and he poured out a full measure of barley, actually six measures, and put it on her shoulders. Then she went back to town. When she came back to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did things go, my dear daughter? And Ruth told her everything that the man had done, adding, and he gave me all this barley besides six quarts. He told me, you can't go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Naomi said, sit back and relax, my dear daughter, until we find out how things turn out. That man isn't going to fool around. Mark my words. He's going to get everything wrapped up today. This is God's word. I love this story. Because it really does have a bit of intrigue. Will he? Won't he? Will she obey? Will she stay? I love how the message leans into the idea, who does this woman belong to? Where is her place in the world? She's left everything that she knows behind, and she has to follow um, Naomi into a new place with new customs. And Just as an aside, as we think about all of the refugees that are coming into our country, to have compassion about how hard it is to come into a new place. We do things every day that are just normal to us. We know how to go through a drive through bank. We have drive through banks here. Maybe that's in the States. Um, <laughs> but See, I'm a sylph and a foreigner in a foreign land. But there's all these customs that, I'll tell you one of the customs that I have not gotten used to, Canadian weddings. They can have a wedding on a Friday at 3 in the afternoon, and then you have five hours to wait until all the pictures have been taken, and then you go to the reception. Unheard of in my country, right? Like we like everything to be. We are an efficient people, for good or for bad. We do things that are just normal to us in our countries, and we often forget about how it is just normal to us but how do you explain it to somebody new? And I love this story because it shows what it means to not only be open and say, yes, you can live here and you can be a part of us, but Naomi says, and this is how we do things. It's one thing to open our doors. It's another thing to, to a partner with someone or to come alongside someone who's new to our country and say, and these are some of the things that are kind of normal for us. You can figure out how you're going to make it your normal, but we never want you to feel like, Um, you're a constant foreigner in a foreign land. This should be home to you. You need to know what a double-double is, because that's how we roll. So just something to think about from this story, as it even encourages us to to help our neighbors to, to find a better place here than just a place that they hang out. The central question, though, is who does Ruth belong to? And will she belong, or will she constantly be a foreigner in a foreign country? And Boaz is the first one to ask this question. Because as he looks out over his fields, as the women are gleaning and doing their work, he recognizes someone who doesn't belong. And if you think about how many people who are out there probably uh, gathering grain, that's pretty amazing. But if we're all um, honest with each other, we can pretty much figure out who the outsider is quite quickly, can't we? We kind of know who's in and who's out. And this is a significant question. If you were one of the people listening to this story thousands of years ago, one of the questions you'd be asking yourself is, will this Moabite person who was once an enemy, who comes from a foreign country, will she find a home in God's people, with God's people? And really at the core of that is, will God accept this foreigner who comes from far away? And Boaz already highlights that when he recognizes, hey, that's not somebody from my my typical crew. But there's something about Ruth. Her reputation precedes her. And the, the foreman says, oh, that's that Ruth. She came back from Moab, and she has been taking care of Naomi. She left everything behind, and she has been working hard to provide for Naomi. She's not even one of us. She's actually doing the exact opposite of what we would think a Moabite person would do. She's actually becoming a part of who we are. So all of a sudden, Ruth isn't just this foreigner. She belongs to Naomi. But even in that statement, the listeners would lean forward and say, but Naomi has nothing. Naomi has no way. She's old. She has no way to take care of Ruth. All of a sudden, Naomi's future relies on someone who may or may not actually belong in this place to God's people. So the question here is, will Naomi's extended family receive Ruth? Will they allow her to stay? There's a bit of tension here that we don't even realize as we're listening to this story. At that moment, it would be very okay and understandable for Boaz to say, get that foreigner out of here. Those Moabites have been nothing but trouble to us. Well, I'm not giving any of my extra grain to her. People would have been leaning forward in their seats wondering what was going to happen next. But then we find out that not only is Boaz the owner of this field, Boab, Boaz is a kinsman redeemer. That means that he has both the rights and the responsibilities to take care of the people in his community, in his tribe. Furthermore, he has the right to be able to marry a widow who has lost all hope. He has the opportunity to marry Ruth. And you can't, I can't tell you, this would be like one of those movies where you'd be going, what's going to happen next? Will Boaz marry a foreigner? And would it be a Moabite at that? There's tension in this story that we can't, it's palpable if we understand how odd it is that Ruth is making her way into the people of Israel. And now we have to ask ourselves, is Boaz going to be a promise keeper? is he going to be one who who leans into his responsibilities and take care of these women as a kinsman redeemer should do he has is he going to be a righteous man one who follows after god he has both the right and the responsibility to take care of these women what is he going to do and already we see hope in boaz as he leans into his responsibilities and not only does he allow Ruth to glean. He says, leave the good stuff behind for her. She's one of ours. Already we know that Ruth belongs to the extended family. Make sure that Ruth and Naomi are cared for. And don't make her feel ashamed for gleaning. And don't make her feel bad when she takes more grain than is typical for a gleaner. Make sure she has enough. He extends his protection to those women who from up until now in the story had none. Boaz becomes a picture of hope. Boaz starts to make us think about, if he is an image bearer of God, will he reach out and be a protector to those who are far away, those who may have turned their back? He is a way out of their poverty, out of their hopelessness. He's a way out of their vulnerability, and he becomes a way into new life. All of a sudden, these women have food. They have hope. They have a future. And for the first time, a woman who says, call me Mara. Remember Naomi says that last week? Call me Mara because I'm bitter. My God has forgotten me. He has turned his back on me. And what does she say here? God's not forgotten us. We're receiving his blessings. God did not turn his back on us. Even when we went to a foreign country, even when it may have looked like we had turned our backs on him. God is a promise keeper. The question of belonging is a huge one in this story because it it reminds all of us the need we have to belong, the need we have to know that God will still be there even if we've turned our backs, the need we have to know that we are not on our own in this world, which sometimes can feel so vulnerable, so futureless, so hopeless. We see in this small picture in this story that God can love even someone who doesn't know him, who has to learn about who this God is. God can love someone who is even foreigner, who is way off. That's how big God's love is. This is a story of love that overflows, that isn't just for a small tribe or a small country called Israel. And each one of us here know that that love extends beyond Israel to the Gentiles, to you and I, thousands of years later. I love this story because it reminds us that we all have the same four basic spiritual needs. One, whether we're three years old or we're 100 years old, we have the, the need, the spiritual need to know who God is, to know his story, and to know our place in it. And that's exactly what Ruth is trying to figure out Do I have a place in this story? Does God's love have a meaning for me? Two, we have a need to have a calling and to be equipped in that calling. And we see in this story Boaz leaning into his calling as a kinsman redeemer. He says, this is what God has given me to do. He's resourced me. He's given me all I can um, have to share. I I am a blessed person so I can bless others. And he leans into his calling. And then we see that we all have the need for hope. We all need the the sense that there is a future. Because I'm telling you the truth, and I'm pretty sure you're all in the same place with me. When you read the paper or you listen to the news, this is a pretty hopeless world sometimes. We were just in Waterton uh, four weeks ago. And all of a sudden I looked at the map where the fire was in Waterton National Park by Glacier. What was so beautiful has all been burned. A story like that just does me in. It feels very hopeless to someone who was raised in the mountains and who's also, I'm an activator, like, oh, what are we going to do? Like, I, I, I just feel hopeless when I hear that story. Then you put other fires on top of it, and you see what's happened from two hurricanes and other hurricanes on the way. Sometimes it's overwhelming. Now, maybe that's not you, and my other gift is positivity. I usually can make lemonade out of anything. But I am telling you right now, sometimes the world seems very heavy. But we're not the only ones who need a sense of hope. We go to work every day with people who need hope. We go to school every day with people who need hope. If it's overwhelming to me who knows who has the world in his hands... Can you imagine what it might be like for some of our friends and neighbors who, can't even, who have to take a, a break from the news because it's just too much? We all need hope. And in this story, we're pointed again and again to the creator of hope, the sustainer of hope, and that's our God. And the last spiritual need that we all have is the need to belong. We need to know that we're part of something bigger than ourselves, that we're not alone in this world. That when our family disappoints us or when our friends disappoint us, that there's going to be someone out there that cares for us in spite of sometimes some of the things that we do. And that's what Ruth points to. We belong. We're wired to belong to God. So when you see um, people who get involved in gangs or, or people who um, get so overly involved in certain clubs, like all the... Um, kids who are involved in um, kind of online gaming, that's become a community to them. Why? They need to belong. We're wired to belong, but we've got to belong to the right thing. No, we've got to belong to the right one, and that's what Ruth is about. Do we belong even if we don't acknowledge to whom we belong to? This is a significant story for all of us. Will God reach out to us, even if we don't have the capacity to reach back to him? Will God make a way for us to turn towards him? And that's where we are left in the story right now. We see that Ruth belongs to this extended family, but here's the tension, and I'm not going to answer the question yet because we have to read chapter four, and I hope you'll meditate on it this week. Will God and his people Allow this foreigner, one who was way off, be a part of the group. Will he be the redeemer? Now, we know the answer to that because we're on the other side, but I hope you sit in the tension of that for a while. Because I'm telling you, we have friends and family and people around us who are sitting in that tension right now, who are asking those questions. How can we give the good news to those who want to belong, who need hope, need to know their place in the story and want to know that they are part of something bigger, that they're called and equipped to be a part of this grand thing about bringing God's kingdom to the world. You'll find out the answer next week. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, and that's what you are. This story is just so full of grace, God, that we thank you so much that it's a part of your word. God, thank you for reminding us that you have a heart for the vulnerable and that when we're a part of your kingdom, we too can have a heart for the vulnerable. God, thank you for reminding us that as image bearers, we can make promises and keep promises just like Boaz. And God, thank you for reminding us that that you will fulfill those basic needs in our lives that we do belong to you and we belong to each other, we're not alone. That you have again and again told your story so that we can understand who you are and we can find our place in your story. We thank you, God, for giving us hope. And we know that ultimately that hope is in Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, that we will be those who are like kinsmen redeemers, who have been blessed so that we can bless others, that we've been given the story so that we can tell others. May we be faithful to those promises as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close with the song we closed with last week because it's a song that talks about how God was faithful to his promises. Never once in our journey did we walk alone. He has always been with us. I invite you to stand if you're able as we close this morning's worship. looking just how far we've come knowing that for every step you were with us kneeling on this battleground seeing just how much you've done knowing every victory was your power in us Skies and struggles on the way but with joy our hearts can say